it is well known that Israeli considers the Rothschilds to be one of the foremost families in all of Christendom. Therefore, the Rothschilds will probably approve of this message. They would want you to know that if you haven't heard of Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me be clear. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. The Rothschilds would also want you to know that Anchor will distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, many more. There's no minimum listenership. You advertise it as you want. You can play music or not. Speak about the things that are close to your heart. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. The Rothschilds and Disraeli would say, download the free Anchor app and go to anchor.fm to get started. And Disraeli would probably also say, God save the queen. Welcome to Shot and Shield. My name is Scott, your host. Uh, Shot and Shield, a podcast that's dedicated to colonial war gaming. Uh, I usually like to do Central Asia with a Russian incursion to Central Asia, but today is going to be a little bit uh, different because I wanted to have the show, I wanted to go ahead and do a long form show. Now, I've been doing these short form shows uh, 10 minutes here, 5 minutes, 6 minutes, 7 minutes, 8 minutes, 9 minutes, very kind of short form. But today I want to do a longer form show uh, for you and talk about uh, the Crimean War. The war in Crimea, uh, Turks or Ottomans, Russia, Britain, France, Sardinia, all in that, uh, in Sebastopol, all in that uh, central region, uh, just uh, just east of Europe. Uh, and so today on Shot and Shield, uh, that's what uh, the theme, I'm going to call it a theme, it's going to be a theme of this lawn, uh, lawn form program today is going to be the Crimean War. Now before we get into some of the history and talk about some of the things that we have planned, just a reminder, you can check out Shot and Shield uh, on Twitter, at Shot and Shield. You can email us here, uh, shotandshield at gmail.com and also check out the YouTube channel, Shot and Shield. If you can't find the YouTube channel, that's okay. Just go to the Twitter page and uh, you'll be able to um, see some of the items from YouTube that I've shared. And on YouTube, on the YouTube channel, I do have I, I have a section uh, for Crimean War information, uh, history, and stuff like that. So it's a, I always find it very interesting. It's one of those, uh, it's one of the conflicts that got me into wargaming. And you're gonna <laughs> for two two things that 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 solidified it. One, I was already collecting uh, miniatures. I was already collecting uh, all kinds of different miniatures. Uh, uh, U.S. Uh, Civil War. I was collecting World War Two, World War One, uh, Colonial, uh, Crimean War. I was collecting them all. I didn't really know what to do with them, and I really wasn't. I was just I was just like collecting them, and I was uh, starting my painting journey, and that was like man, like early 80s, late 70s. Uh, and it wasn't until I saw, I heard one thing and saw another. And the first thing I had saw was the Charge of the Light Brigade with Errol Flynn. I saw that on a TV channel in my local, my hometown. 
And uh, I just was like, oh, that's what I'm talking about. Just really fell in love with the whole idea of the Crimean War. The next was, <laughs> is this good? I don't know. I mean, you might be like, really, Scott? Uh, Iron Maiden. Iron Maiden. I love Iron Maiden. Amazing metal band. Amazing band. It's one of my top bands. It's like Iron Maiden, Talking Heads, Clash, The Police, The Cure. There's not many others. The Rush, you know, but Iron Maiden is like like number one. So I'm definitely a, a you know, up the irons uh, guy. So when Peace of Mind, the album that uh, the album that came out that had uh, the song The Trooper in it, I was listening to it. I'm like, oh, that's what I'm talking about. I was so it's such a such an <laughs> outstanding song and the gallop of uh of the bassline and the and the lyrics and the, the guitar and the drums and I could smell the acrid air and the rushing guns either side and it, all based on the Alfred Lord Tennyson song uh, uh, poem. It's just it's that hooked me. I was in. I was in. And so uh, that was actually the first uh, figures I really started to paint were the Crimean War figures that I had uh, from ESCI or Asia ESCI that I had uh, picked up that had been sitting in a box and I really didn't know what to do with them. So, uh, that was, uh, that was really good. So uh, today's show, today's show is dedicated to the Crimean war. Uh, and so in, in, in relation to that, here's what we got going on. I got, um, I'm going to have my, one of my fake interviews, uh, today with Napoleon the third. That's nice. Not too bad. Also a, uh, watch along, with uh, Charge of the Light Brigade. And the scene's going to be the actual charge itself from the Errol Flynn movie. Uh, a review of uh, the Charge of the Light Brigade with Errol Flynn. I'm going to do a um, review of a Great War Miniatures figures that, uh, that are based uh, on uh, the Crimean War. And then just a little bit of history. So that's what's uh, that's what's on deck today for Shot and Shield. Okay, so here on Shot and Shield, let's go ahead and start out with uh, a little bit of background, some a little historical, a little historical background regarding the Crimean War. So, you know, I'm not going to sit here and read a bunch of stuff uh, to recite to you, but I'm going to tell you what I know now, from what I've read. But I'm not going to read it to you. You know, the Russians, uh, the Russians during Crimea, they saw an opportunity to get involved in the Balkans and in the Caucasus because. Turkey was considered like a, this dying, this dying man, right? That's what they call him, the dying man or the the sick man of Europe. And maybe uh, they also wanted to grab some uh, of that warm water port that they were really, really needing, or they felt that they really needed. Now the Russians they invaded the neighboring Balkan areas, you know, working towards Constantinople. Now were they going to Constantinople? Who knows? Uh, but under the pretenses that. Uh, they were protecting Christians because obviously the Ottomans, or the, the Turks, they were Muslim, a Muslim country. 
Now, this would have really shifted the balance of power in Europe at that time because you had Russia, which was huge, huge, uh, not just an area, but also they had a huge army. Uh, France had a professional standing army. You had Great Britain, who had a powerful navy. But you also had uh, other little areas like Austria-Hungary. Now, you're probably thinking Austria-Hungary didn't fight in that. No, they didn't, but they're... They were involved in a small, small way. We'll get to it in a second. But also Sardinia, they felt they needed to hop on board also because uh, they wanted to be in good with uh, the French. But obviously, to in, or, in, in order to preserve the balance of power in Europe, Great Britain and France had to jump in on the Ottoman side. And later, of course, like I said, the Sardinians did because they wanted French help and some other aspects of uh, items or issues that they were working on themselves. Also a note, as I was saying about Austria, Russia had depended on Austria to jump in on Russia's side as an ally because Russia helped Austria out during the Hungarian Revolution, but it didn't. And that was uh, that whole situation with Austria is one of the reasons why Russia had such a it had such animosity towards the Austrians, and then that precipitated uh, World War One, if you think about it like that. So we could go into some of the battles, uh, you know, Inkerman, Balaclava, Sebastopol, the siege, uh, Sinope or Sinope in the in the in the movie Charge of Light Brigade they call it Sinope. I've heard it called Sinope. Um, uh, we could talk about the Caucasus, you know, some of those other battles and everything. But really, I think the big crux of this is just kind of what caused this whole scenario to really start rolling, you know. So uh, with that said, uh, just a little, like I said, just a little background. Now, how does that ha- how does that work when it comes to us wargaming it, right? Well, if you want to have the French versus the Russians, you can do it. You can have the British versus the Russians. You can have the Ottomans against the Russians. You can have the Balkans against the Russians. If you wanted to play an imaginary series, you could have the Austrians and Russians uh, against the Balkans and against the Turks. You know, so there's so there's a bunch of different scenarios, especially if you're, if you're going to go total historical, which is fine, then there is definitely that... Uh, there's enough, there's enough there to make a very, very interesting historical battles uh, uh, to be able to be played. Uh, me personally, I like, I like the skirmish games. So I like smaller units, smaller areas, uh, not some of these big swaths of, uh, of campaigns. Not anymore. I used to do that, but not anymore. I don't like to do that. But uh, when it comes to Crimean War, if I have the Turks against... The Russians battling over some little village. I'm good. I'm, I'm really happy with that. I don't need to have like, a, well, let's get the big board, a big six by six, uh, six foot by six foot board, and it's only going to be one piece of Sevastopol, and then we're going to go in there and, and do a historical reenactment. I, yeah, I'm, I'm over that. But, uh, but I, I got to say that uh, the Crimean War in general is just one of those that uh, you can play. Uh, and you can get a lot of enjoyment out of uh, considering. But if you know the beginning of it, the history of it, 
like I do. I mean, I'm not saying you got to be like me. I'm saying that, you know, the one things I find interesting when I play the Crimean War, or play play that that era is that knowing just a little bit of history makes it a lot uh, a lot more fun because then I can go ahead and uh, play with a little, maybe turn a little Hollywood, play a little Hollywood type game or play a little imaginary game, imagination game, or I could do something that's a little more on the historical accurate side. So that's it. That's a little preface to uh, to uh, the Crimean War. Uh, next up, we're going to look at some of the figures uh, that you can get uh, for the Crimean War right here on Shot Shield. So in this segment, I'm going to be speaking with the leader of France during the uh, Crimean uh, conflict, Emperor Napoleon III, to discuss the war in the Crimea. Now, before I continue, the war in Crimea was made up of England and, and France and Sardinia and Russia. Austria was involved. Don't forget that. In, in their non-involvement, that's how they were involved, but also in the Ottomans uh, or the Turks, uh, either one. And obviously, in this day and age... You know, we have to speak to the people that were there, the leaders that were there. And I've chose Emperor Napoleon III to speak with regarding this. So let's go ahead and uh, get him on the line here from the great beyond. Thank you, sir, your highness, for joining me. Oui, oui. Thank you. You're very, you're very kind. Now, before we talk about the war in Crimea, you've been known to insert France and yourself into some political situations in Europe and abroad, specifically the wars of Italian unification. It is in the best interest of France mm-hmm. for the Italians to be unified, which gives us one person, one country to talk to, rather than the 7,000 countries that uh, exist mm-hmm. in the Italian peninsula now. I see. Couldn't you see how uh, Europe could look at you in a way that sort of a an attempt for you to take up the mantle, take up the scepter of uh, your great relative, Napoleon Bonaparte? No. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. I am my own man. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, You know what? Forget that. On to Crimea. Turkey doesn't seem to be an ideal ally. So why would you jump in with Turkey? We cannot let the Russians have any sort of uh, issue or circumstance in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. And we cannot do that. It's not, it's not in the glory of France. France cannot afford that. Mm-hmm. It's about balance of power. I see, okay. Oh, keeping, keeping uh, Russia, how you say, uh, boxed in. Mm-hmm. Boxed in. Plus, uh, there's some stuff. There's some areas in, <clears throat> in the Middle East which would uh, be in France's best interest to have. Afterwards, did afterwards did you have any regrets about this adventure? No regrets. No regrets. No, 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 no. <laughs> right. Well, thank you, Your Highness, uh, Emperor Napoleon III. By the way, uh, any future adventures? I hear Mexico needs our help. Mm-hmm. Oui, oui. Real quickly, <laughs> Mexico, huh? 
Okay. Hey, what about Prussia? Prussia? What? No, 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 no. Prussians, uh, they're over. Prussians don't exist anymore. After Blucher, mm-hmm. the Blucher power is gone. And Prussia means nothing to me or to France. I see. All right. Well, thank you very much. Once again, Napoleon Emperor Napoleon Third here on Shot and Shield. Au revoir. Essentially, you can't talk about wargaming, the Crimean War, or wargaming, colonial wargaming, without talking about the charge of the Light Brigade. And so with that said, is I want to kind of get a little bit into the charge of the Light Brigade starring Errol Flynn and Olivia de Havilland. And I mean, it was uh, Patrick Knowles was in it, also Henry Stevenson, uh, Nigel Bruce, Sherlock Holmes's buddy, uh, Donald Crisp, David Niven. Just a a litany of fantastic, uh, fantastic actors and some swashbucklers, you know, and Errol Flynn. Uh, This was a Michael Curtis, uh, uh, Curtiz, Michael Curtiz movie. Uh, And Michael Curtiz also did uh, another Errol Flynn movie, The Seahawks, which which is a great movie. This movie is based on the Alfred Lord Tennyson poem, A Charge of the Light Brigade, based on what happened at Balaclava. And this movie is, this is the best way to describe this movie. This movie is a Saturday afternoon matinee. If you were, if you were like me and growing up, you watch cartoons on a Saturday. <laughs> you watch your cartoons. You got to, you got to Fat Albert. And so go, after that, it was Soul Train. And after that, then your local channel went to movies. Now, sometimes they, these movies would be bummers. Uh, but every once in a while, they throw in a Gunga Din or they would throw in a Seahawks, or they would throw in a Charge of the Light Brigade. And I got to tell you, the first time I saw a Charge of the Light Brigade was on WPIX, Channel 33, Miami, right after Soul Train, and I was like there. I was right there. The premise of the movie is, it's not just, they took the poem by Alfred Lord, uh, Alfred Lord Tennyson, and then they, they kind of, they gave it a little extra. So the premise of the movie is that Errol Flynn is the reason the light brigade charged. <laughs> it's like, like, so it is totally Hollywood, totally Hollywood. And the movie begins with Errol Flynn with an entourage going to see the Surat Khan. So the, uh, the ambassador could tell Surat Khan he ain't going to get no money no more. Surat Khan is obviously not really happy about this. Hence, the movie starts. This is where the underlying aspect of this whole movie is the revenge on Surat Khan. Obviously, but by the way, there's a bu- there's a bunch of love stuff in here. I kind of ignore because you know when it comes to uh, when it comes to war gaming, I'm watching the movie for the uniforms. I'm watching the the movie for the action, and I'm watching the movie to see what I can steal to make a uh, to make a really good scenario for one of my games. After uh, some love scenes and everything else like that, and some intrigue, it comes down to the Surat Khan attacks Chakoti, which is a big fort. Errol Flynn and Olivia to have an escape. They come back with a with a rescue party. Everybody is dead. Well, that's why they abandoned Chakoti. 
We've got to follow Sarid Khan. He can't be far off. Impossible. They're mountain fighters. We don't stand a ghost of a chance against them in the hills. But we can't stand here doing nothing. By heaven, we'll never rest till he's been made to pay for this. India will be too small to hold. Now, after that scene, and then we go to Surat Khan running off to Sevastopol to be with the Russians. Because India is too hot to hold the guy. You'll report to the commander-in-chief on the right of the better club. Good luck, Watson. Thank you, sir. Major Becker, sir. Ah, yes, sir, my boy. The replacements for the 27th reported for duty, sir. Good, then you're ready to embark. Never been to the Crimea, have you, Jeffrey? They tell me it's a pestilential hole. Seems very strange to me, sir, that the war office should be sending the 27th to Sebastopol to fight the Russians. Poor devils, haven't they been through enough already at Chakoti? The Russians? Peoples don't wage war against other peoples, Jeffrey. England is fighting the tyranny of the Tsar. The 27th Lancers are fighting Surat Khan. Surat Khan? It may interest you to know that after the Chakoti massacre, Surat Khan fled. Yes, I knew that, sir. India was too hot to hold him. The War Department happens to know that he took refuge with the Russians and is with their forces at Sebastopol. This is worth knowing. Now you understand why the 27th Lancers have been ordered to Sebastopol. Every man will have a chance for vindication, not only for himself and for his regiment, but for every sepoy in India. The next thing you see after that scene is Errol Flynn at Sebastopol with the with all the generals, General Raglan, everybody, and the hierarchy is says, you know what, we got to take the light brigade and we got to move him out of Balaclava, move him someplace else. Errol Flynn don't like that. So he says, that's it. I'm going to forge, I'm going to forge some orders. I'm going to join the, uh, I'm going to join the light brigade and we're going to charge that battery. And by the way, later on, we're going to do a watch along uh, with uh, just that just that attack scene because I think it's hysterical. I think it's I think it's awesome and fantastic, but it's also kind of disturbing, as well as uh, it's just very Hollywood. But it, it is a, it is a really good scene if you forget about a few elements. But essentially, essentially, this is one of those movies to where I would say if you like colonial war gaming. And you're going to war game or you're going to war game anything in the 19th century. You got to watch this movie. This movie has to be in your library of movies that you're going to watch to get yourself inspired to play some of our war games. Gunga Din, uh, Charge of the Light Brigade. There's 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 several others which, which we'll go through in, in subsequent episodes uh, of this uh, of this podcast. But uh, Charge of the Light Brigade, Errol Flynn, Olivia de Havilland, Donald Crisp, David Niven. Just perfect. A great movie. Just an absolutely fantastic movie for our gaming. I'd like to take a moment to thank you for uh, listening to uh, the podcast today, uh, Shot and Shield. Once again, you could uh, check us out on Twitter at Shot and Shield, also uh, through email, Shot and Shield at gmail.com and on YouTube. And I have some interesting uh, items on the YouTube page uh, for your enjoyment and your uh, information if you uh, so choose to go there and check it out. Uh, we've already gone over a little bit of his, uh, the historical nature of uh, Crimea War. Also uh, taking a look at uh, Charge of Light Brigade with Errol Flynn. Uh, and before we get into... Um, the watch along. I want to talk about some of the miniatures that you can get for the Crimean War. Now, this is not a plug or anything like this. This is sort of like a mini review of some of the miniatures that I've gotten over the past. Uh, you can get uh, 
uh, uh, Perry's has uh, some in their mix uh, that they don't have a Crimean War uh, grouping, but they do have some uh, British intervention that works just as well. And it's a good set. Um, also, War Games Foundry has a bunch uh, and there's there's probably even more out there. But the War Games Foundry uh, parries and also great war miniatures. Oh, Outpost. Outpost uh, Outpost Miniatures has a, a great line too. But Great War Miniatures um, is my go-to uh, for uh, for Crimean War. I have a bunch of their Russians uh, that are just really, really nice. 28 millimeter and they work really well with uh, the size-wise. They work really well with uh, Perry's also with a foundry and a scary miniatures as well. So they, they're all relatively the same size. It's not like you're going to get uh, uh, a monster, monster size difference. Like if you go to uh, what's a redoubt and you get one of their, uh, their 28 millimeter, it's almost like 32 millimeter. These guys stand head and head and uh, head and shoulders above everybody else in their size. And that's kind of tough when you're trying to put, uh, put your uh, field forces on the table. So, but 28 millimeter, these guys do a really good job. Great War Miniatures. You can get them through North Star. Again, not a plug. I'm not plugging them. Like, like go get them and I'm going to get, uh, I'm going to get a return on this. I'll get, I'll get paid for this. So this is just uh, how I look at it, how I see it. Uh, but uh, Great War Miniatures, they have uh, Brits, they have French, they have Russians. And with the Russians, they have the ones that come with the forage caps and they also have uh, the infantry that comes with uh, the helmets. Regular infantry, grenadiers, dragoons, hussars, and Cossacks. And it's a really, really nice range. Uh, the, the, the sculpts, they're nice sculpt. They're really easy to paint. So if you're sitting down and let's say you have you got 20, 20 figures of the Russians with the forage caps, you could do that in an evening. You really can. Now, I mean, I'm mean, just talking about the basics. You know, you're putting down um, the flesh and the... Um, and the straps and the gun and and the the whole uniform and everything. I'm not talking about the shading. Sometimes the shading takes a little bit longer, but when it comes to just the basics of uh, painting the figure, that's an evening. That's uh, you know you, you you put on some music or you put on a uh, some sort of uh, podcast you want to listen to. Maybe this one, <laughs> and you can sit down and sooner or later, you know, uh, two three hours, you're done. And uh, everything is good and they're ready for the board. So, um, but yeah, it's a, a great war miniatures. I got mine from North Star. Uh, just really good sculpts. And they work really well with some of the other, uh, with some of the other lines out there, whether it be a Perry line, whether it be a War Games Foundry line. Uh, when it comes to a Scari, a Scari line looks really, really good. You know, the uh, Artisan, uh, Artisan's a little bit bigger. Uh, but uh, you know what? You can make it work. You can make it work with the artisans uh, back from beyond set as well. So uh, I think that uh, they would serve you very well. But yeah, check them out if uh, you don't already have them. I would imagine anybody listens to this and they're thinking to yourself, well, what are you talking about, Scott? Yeah, we know all about this. You're late to the par- program. <laughs> I don't know about that. This is such a good line. So like I said, the sculpts are really nice. The particular sculpts that are really, really good that I like are the ones that are in action poses. I don't really like the ones that are just kind of standing there, but the action poses, they have uh, some really good natural action poses uh, in the Great War Miniatures line. 
And also, they also have a World War I line and a Potemkin's War line that I haven't uh, got into as of yet because I've been focusing all my uh, concentration on Central Asia. But uh, there we go. Coming up on a Shot and Shield, that watch-along with the Charge of the Light Brigade. So in this segment, I wanted to do a watch-along with you. Uh, Charge of the Light Brigade. We're talking about the Crimean War, or at least you and I are talking about the Crimean War uh, especially wargaming and some of the inspirations that, uh, that maybe you have that you might share with me. At least I'm sharing um, some of my inspirations with you when it comes to the Crimean War, the war in the Crimea, however you want to put it. And uh, one of those is, uh, as I I had the, the movie review earlier, but I wanted to uh, also do like a little watch along with the Charge of the Light Brigade. And uh, so here's here's the way this works. And I don't know if it really worked last time when we did 55 Days at Peking, but this time I want to try it uh, uh, this way. The Charge of the Light Brigade, if you have the movie, you want to you want to get it to one hour, 42 minutes, one hour and 42 minutes. And once you once you get to one hour and 42 minutes, then uh then uh, we can watch it along together. We could talk a little bit about, or at least I could talk a little bit about what I see and uh, what I see going on. So on the count of five, so this is the way we do it. So I'm going to count to five, then you're going to hit play. I'm going to hit play. And then you'll hear the commentary regarding uh, this particular movie, Charge of the Light Brigade, Errol Flynn, David Niven, uh, Donald Crisp, Olivia de Havilland. Uh, great movie from... Uh, uh, from Cortez is the producer or director. Just an absolutely fantastic movie. Uh, as uh, as I said in the review uh, that we uh, that I did earlier. So here we go. So one hour, 42 minutes on your movie, whether it be DVD or video or whatever, however you got it, but you're looking at one hour and 42 minutes and then we'll start there, okay? So one Two, three, four, now. All right, so in this scene right here, this just before the charge, Errol Flynn is going to is giving the speech of his life. Talking about Surat Khan. That's it. We're going after him. This is what we've been waiting for since Chakoti, since uh, we got moved here. They're trying to keep us away from them, but no, ain't gonna happen. Surat Khan is ours. We're gonna make him. We're gonna make him. <laughs> we're gonna make him our jerk. We're gonna just kill him. We're going after him. And so he grabs the sword, and the Light Brigade. They all start heading off to Balaclava to the valley, and the different. Uh, so you got the dragoons here. You got the hussars, lancers. So everybody's everybody's geared up. Drummers are going very patriotic, especially if you're a if you're an Englishman, I guess I would imagine. So anyway, so more of the different uniforms. This is what's great about this movie is when you see when you see this, all the different uniforms is fantastic. Oh, and and, and this scene, uh, uh, Errol Flynn's brother's coming in. 
shows the Lord uh, the what's what's going on, and the Lord's like, "What is go? What they're they're gonna do? What they're gonna go down Balaclava Valley? Are you out of your mind? You better get there quick." <laughs> so he's they're all kind of freaking out now. <laughs> it's like they try to figure out what to do to help them, and so they're gonna start sending. Uh, they're gonna start sending some other uh, other cavalry uh, uh, groups to help them out, but it's kind of too late. Because here they go. They're starting their cavalry, their charge. They're going to start with a little bit of a gallop. So you got uh, Sherlock Holmes, Dr. Watson. He's sitting there. He's hanging out up front. And then the uh, they put on the screen, if you haven't seen the movie you're, or you're watching it now with me, is they got the half a league, half a league, half a league onward, all to the valley of death. Uh, the poem from Alfred Lord Tennyson. Something interesting about this movie that I found, and this is only after I fell in love with it, so it kind of makes me kind of painful. It's kind of painful a little bit to watch also, is that during this sequence, all the horses, all the horses that uh, got hurt, uh, they really got hurt because of tripwires and all this stuff, all the stunts and everything. They weren't stunt horses. So... That's kind of distressing to learn now, you know, what, almost 50 years later, 60 years later of this movie, that a lot of the a lot of the animals actually got hurt, which is uh, sad. And I'm glad that uh, this is one, one of those things where I'm glad we kind of CGI now is now some of the animals, the animals aren't going to get hurt. So that's that's good. So they're starting their little gallop. Sir Khan now sees them. He's like, oh, oh. Well, they're never going to get... This is ridiculous. Now the cannons are going to start going off. And just the... I, I can't imagine the bravery of, uh, of... I can't imagine the bravery of somebody on a horse. One, I've been on a horse when I was a little kid. I won't go on a horse again because I was on a horse when I was a little kid. And let me tell you, that was harrowing. That horse took off and I just... just I, I, I held on my whole entire life. And so I can't imagine not only riding the horse, but riding fast with your sword or your lance or your gun or whatever, your, your flag, you're heading into fire. Yeah. These guys, they got some serious kahunas. Let me tell you something. And here it goes. Now the charge is happening. They're starting to pick up pace. They're starting to pick up pace. And where is it? I'm waiting for it. Charge. And uh, and so Sir Khan and his uh, Russian ally are sitting there just kind of dismayed at this whole situation. I cannot believe this is going on. Are you crazy? And you know what? You imagine, imagine that also, that you're the Russian watching, watching these guys come at you. Now, these are, charge. Here we go. And the horn goes off. The lances come down. The swords come out. Boom, they're flying now. And, man, let me tell you, Sir Khan and the Russians are not happy. Even though they don't think they're going to get there, it's still not a not a pretty sight. But think about that. I mean, you got, what, uh, 600 horsemen hauling, hauling to get to you, and, and they're coming after you. And if you're a Russian or you're on the, on the, other, the other end of that attack, 
that's got to be that's got to be harrowing. I can't imagine being a Russian watching all those horses come at you, and they're coming after you. They're not coming. They're coming after you. <laughs> oh, there is uh, Basil Rathbone. I'm sorry, not Basil Rathbone, but uh, but his uh, sidekick, Doctor Watson, Nigel Bruce. He just uh, he has got knocked off his horse. He's dead. There it is. Cannon to the right of them. Cannon to the left of them. Cannon in front of them. Volleyed and thundered. And you see the uh, the picture is amazing. You know what's interesting also about this film is they got all of the um, from what I read they got all of the uniforms correct in this movie. Um, so I'm kind of curious the Russians have darker uniforms. There are some Russians that have the lighter uniforms, which I think we're used to when we go to like for, uh, Foundry or we go to uh, a Great War or we go to any of these uh, sites that sell the miniatures. They always show them kind of in the lighter um, tan or, or khaki jacket. In the movie, even though it's black and white, you can tell that um, there are some that are wearing the uh, wearing the caps, the field caps, but also these long trench coats, and either they're black or dark blue or, or green. I'm not sure what color they are, um, but I, I'd like to know. I saw a colorized version of this where they made them green. It didn't seem right, but that could be the case because since uh, green was prevalent in the ar- in the Russian army at this time. So yeah, the, the, the light brigade is just taking a pummel right now from the uh, the Russian guns. So, oh, the flag. Oh, no. Not the... The British flag fell down, but no, he's... Just before he dies, he holds it up for somebody else to grab. And the British colors, they're, they're hauling. They ain't going nowhere. But gun after gun after gun. The other thing, too, uh, if you notice in this, is the, the lances. Are the... I'm not sure. The lances made of bamboo? So is that how lances are? I don't know. I've never seen a lance up front before, or uh, you know, in you know, in person before. So they look like they're bamboo. If that's the case, man, that's gotta. I can't imagine getting hit with that. So Errol Flynn got kicked off his horse, but no, he found another horse. He grabbed a lance, and he's on his way. And uh, Sir Khan is not a happy man. But now they're gonna. In, uh, the Russians are gonna. They're gonna throw in their own cavalry, their own hussars their own dragoons and uh, see how they uh, they fare and they don't fare very well Russians uh, from what I read the Russians uh, cavalry the non-Cossacks weren't the best they weren't uh, they weren't they weren't the best when it came to uh, to being cavalry Uh, so and there the guns are still rolling the horses oh that's it. Sometimes you can't watch it because it's like, ah. Uh, and then when you have that knowledge that the horses really did get hurt uh, on this movie, which uh, is really sad. But, you know, that was 56 years ago. So luckily that can't happen now. And here comes the, uh, here comes the, um, it looks like maybe the Don Cassock, Don Cassocks, Don, <laughs> I can't say it because I've been talking through this movie that Don Cassocks, Don Cossacks. Uh, forget it. Anyway, so the, there they are. They're jumping over. 
jumping over the barricades. The light brigade has gotten to the end of the valley. They're running into the Don Cossacks. There we go. I said it that correctly that time. And boom, you know, they run into them. They're fighting them. Oh, there goes the there goes the Surikhan's buddy, buddy Russian. He's he's got killed. And see some of the dark uniforms. If you see some of the dark uniforms that the Russians are wearing, it doesn't make sense. But they could. Surik Khan, he's still still alive, still alive. He's going to get uh, thrown off his horse. He hits the ground. Now, what's he going to do? He's looking for a gun. He finds a gun. Errol Flynn finds him. Errol Flynn with his uh, with his bamboo lance. Uh-oh, now they're meeting eye to eye. And you can see the fire in Errol Flynn's eyes. He's going to take a... No, no. Oh, Errol Flynn got shot, but not before. Stab right in the heart. Boom. There you go, Sir Khan. Done. And Errol Flynn falls to the ground. He looks up, sees that Sir Khan is dead, and a bunch of other Lancers come in and just start wailing on him and make sure. <laughs> and thus ends uh, this particular scene, the charge of the Light Brigade as they charge through. The Union Jack, the uh, colors of England, glorified, hanging out. Where can they? Where can their glory fade? A wild charge, the charge they made. All the world wondered. Honor of the charge they made. Honor of the Light Brigade, noble six hundred. So there you go. That's the scene. So, anyway, <laughs> I hope I hope you uh, had a chance to like watch that with me. It's such a it's such a great charge there's not many charges you have uh, charges in in western movies you have charges in some napoleon movies but this is just an absolutely fantastic charge so anyway so thank you uh for watching uh charge of the light brigade uh that scene with me as uh, we busted it out And uh, that, you know what, that is it for today's uh, Shot and Shield. Uh, again, I did I did a long form, kind of a little different uh, than I have done in the past uh, with the podcast. I just uh, felt that I needed to try to change it up a little bit. You know, I think I, my last podcast, I asked that question, kind of like, what, what do you want to see? You want to see a longer show, a shorter show? Uh, but uh, uh, the feedback I got was maybe try to do a little bit longer show. Um, and so that's what I did today. Uh, I themed it out with the Crimean War. Uh, we watched along with the Charge of the Light Brigade with our Errol Flynn. <laughs> that was just fun. It's fun doing that. I'm sorry. Uh, we interviewed, uh, did a fake interview with Napoleon III. And my French is horrible. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> so I apologize for my French. My French accent is horrible. Let me tell you. <laughs> uh, but also... Uh, uh, a, a, a real kind of quick review of uh, the Great War Miniatures, fantastic line of um, of uh, of Crimean War uh, Russians. I haven't had the, their got their French or their Brits yet, but uh, that was it's just a good line. It just really is. So if you have a chance to pick some up, 
then uh, do so. Also, uh, see, we I, I reviewed uh, Charge of the Light Brigade. A couple of clips there. I hope I don't get too much in trouble for that. And then, um, and then a little bit of history over the Crimean War. So, uh, you know, for me, it was kind of a, it's a lot of fun to be able to share uh, some of my knowledge and some of my experiences uh, with you. Uh, and I hope to get some uh, response from you as well, all three of you. <laughs> but yeah, you can hit us on the Twitter. Hit me on the Twitter at Shot and Shield uh, on Twitter. Uh, email me. Shot and shield at gmail.com and please check out the YouTube channel. So and I, I hope you subscribe, not because I'm trying to get anything out of this, but just if you subscribe, then uh, you can see when I have other things that pop up. And there's some interesting stuff on um, interesting stuff on YouTube as well. So thank you very much for listening. I appreciate you very much. And until next time, catch you later. This has been a production of the Experience 13 Podcast Network. 13! Your electricity. 13!